All right, well, we got started a couple of weeks ago walking through a series on the church that we've titled Ecclesia. And Ecclesia is the term used for church. And it was actually a, you know, a, a German word is how it originally came about. Um, and we're kind of walking through this, this idea of what is the church? What is the purpose of the church? What is the mission of the church? And last week, Bill spoke about the Great Commission. That is our walking order. That is what Christ gave us. The last thing before he ascended back to heaven was the words that we looked at last week. You think, if you had one thing to say to someone before you were getting ready to leave this earth, what would you say? Think about it. Christ gave us the Great Commission as his last words to us. So it should be important. It is the mission of our church. And so today we want to look at practically how do we do that. And as we looked at, you know, it talked about the first thing it said there was to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is what we have been called to do, is to become disciples, become a follower of Jesus. And just so we're all on the same page, a disciple is a follower of Jesus and his way of life. Very simple. Very simple definition. A follower of Jesus, a disciple is a follower of Jesus and his way of life. Submitting ourselves to the invitation as well as the challenge of following him. The fact that we are invited to become disciples of Jesus and to be reconciled to God is the greatest invitation that you could ever have. There's no greater invitation than God of the universe calling us to worship him. No greater invitation. Our mission statement at Bethel is to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. How are we as a church going to accomplish this mission? In short... We're going to make disciples. And discipleship is not something that just happens here on Sunday morning or even just meeting once throughout the week. It is a way of life. It's learning to live like Jesus. We're going to look at um, a passage today in a moment. Before we get to that, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 28, and he says, And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. There's no ambiguity there. There's no gray area with that statement. It's not one of those things that's like, "Eh, I don't know what Jesus wants me to do. It's kind of up in the air. You know, he wasn't clear. No, not at all. He made it very clear. Go and make disciples of all nations. The only number that Jesus cares about is how many disciples we make because that is what he has called us to do. The disciples understood that. After Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples spread out all over the known world. His 12 disciples, they went to Russia, to India, down into Africa, to Europe, all over the known world, taking this message to heart of making disciples of all nations. What God wants to know is not how good we are at what we do, but how obedient we are with what he has asked us to do. 
How obedient are we with what he has asked us to do? Discipleship is what Jesus did, so it's what we do. It's what he asked us to do. It's what he commanded us to do. So it's what we care about most. That is the heart. That should be the heart of every church, making disciples. So let's look at what the Bible says when Jesus met, first met his future disciples in Matthew chapter 4. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. I want you to remember that. It's an important, important piece of information here. Mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now there's two things that Jesus asked them to do here. First, he asked, follow me. That's discipleship, following Jesus, following in the footsteps of the master, living like what he lived, teaching like he taught. That is discipleship. And the second thing is, I will make you fishers of men, and that is the mission. And I think the natural question we must ask ourselves when reading this passage in the context of discipleship is, how long did it take these disciples to become fishers of men? Or we could ask the question, when did they become fishers of men. Let's skip down to John chapter 21. We're at the very end of Jesus's ministry. He's already died upon a cross, rose from the grave, and this is this 40 days before he ascends back to the Father. Let's read this passage here. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee, and revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the son of Ze sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night caught nothing. So let me stop here. Let me explain to you what's going on here. Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and he has already appeared to them several times after his resurrection, before this passage that we just read. And Jesus sets an appointment to meet them at the Sea of Galilee, where he is going to meet with Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And they're waiting here at the Sea of Galilee for Jesus to show up, and they get tired. They get tired of waiting. They said, ah, I'm going fishing. I'm done. I'm done with this. And Peter gets impatient. And what does Peter do? Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now Peter gave that up, remember, in that passage that we just read, to follow Jesus. He said, I'm going to forsake all and follow him. But he's tired of waiting on Jesus, so what does he do? He goes back to fishing because that is where he is comfortable. This is what he has always known. You need to understand that when you make that decision to become a follower of Christ and surrender your life to Christ, to become a follower and step out by faith and say, I'm going to be used by God to live out his mission in this world and to be used by him. When you do that, you say, I'm going to reorient my whole life to live on this mission. 
And when you do that, what happens is, is as soon as trouble comes, as soon as you face just a little bit of adversity, Satan will attack. And the first thing he's going to do is try to convince you that you're not who you are in Christ. You're not redeemed. You're not forgiven. You're not who you are in Christ. You're just who you've always been. So go back to doing that because that's where you're comfortable. And what I find especially humorous about this story is that Peter does that, which is sad. But he goes back to what he's always done, what he's trained to do, what his family has done for maybe generations but he's doing a terrible job at it. He can't catch any fish. He's a fisherman that can't catch fish. So he's a professional fisherman, but he's not really good at what he does, or maybe he's just having a really bad night. So what we know is that Peter is, is not just trying to drown a few worms here. He's really, really, really trying to catch fish. And the story gets better. Verse 4, just as day was breaking. So he's been fishing all night. <laughs> if you guys are fishermen and you've been out for a few hours and you're not, you're not catching anything, what do you do? You pack up and say, ah, I'm not wasting any more time. He's been out all night, so he's really trying. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. We don't have anything. Okay, Peter, you're a professional fisherman. You haven't caught a single minnow all night long. And some, they don't know it's Jesus at this point. And some dude on the shore is hollering out, have you caught any fish? Just imagine how like frustrating that would be. Just like, oh, he just shut up. I know I haven't caught any fish. I don't need him to ask me about it. Verse six, and he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, the only thing more frustrating than not catching fish as a professional fisherman is to have someone tell you how to fish. Just imagine, like, their frustration. Like, who does this guy think he is? Does he not realize who we are? My dad owns a fishing business on the Sea of Galilee. I know what I'm doing, and he's telling me something as stupid as throwing my net on the other side of the boat, they still don't know this is Jesus. Okay, thanks. We got it. We're good. We'll, 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 we'll do what you say. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Verse 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. I think the writers of Forrest Gump stole this scene right out here of the Bible. But let's look at what the rest of the, the disciples did. Verse 8, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. There's <laughs> Jesus 
out on the shore. These guys are tired. I'm sure they're hungry. They're fishing all night. And Jesus has got breakfast there, bread, fish on the fire. He's like, what's up, boys? Come on, let's, let's, have some, let's have some breakfast. I just love this part of the story. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net of sh- ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. I love how scripture is specific. It's specific. And although there were so many, remember this, the net was not torn. John knows, because John's a fisherman, that you don't catch 153 fish without tearing your nets. That's why he writes that for us in his gospel. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. I love this passage. I love that John points out 153 fishes. And this is important. It means... Number one, that John was an eyewitness. He was there. He was an eyewitness to Jesus' resurrection. And it also means that even though the catch was huge, the nets were not torn. Do you know why John knows that 153 fishes break nets? Because in that passage, remember that we read the very first one, when Jesus called them in Matthew chapter 4 to come and follow me? What was John doing? He was mending the nets. He was mending the nets. Just think the first day he was going fishing with his dad and older brother. He was so excited and James' older brother squelches his excitement by saying, Younger brother, rookie, this is your job. You get to mend the nets after we fish. I'm sure that was like, oh. That was like the job for the low man on the totem pole and the fishing crew, was mending the nets. You know what John knows? You don't catch 153 fish and not rip the nets. And what I've come to realize is that in our lives, we all at some level have broken nets that aren't adequate to catch fish. We don't have what it takes to catch fish. We don't have what it takes to be good fishers of men. We're not good at it for a reason because we cannot do this by ourselves. For those of you that are like, I don't know if I can take this step and become a follower of Christ. I don't know if I can make the, take the sacrifice. I don't know if I, I can step out into the uncharted territory. I have really good news for you is that you do not have to do it on your own. You, the truth is, is that you do not have what it takes. You're not able to do it with your own ability because the best you and I have to offer God is our broken nets. But what Jesus can do with your broken net is far superior than what you and I could ever do with them. Because your broken nets 
Jesus can do something supernatural that you and your morality can never dream of on your own. Let's keep reading verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show by what kind of death he was glorified, he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. You know, Jesus is moments away from ascending back to the Father, ascending back to heaven, and yet he tells Peter this instruction of, follow me. Where is Peter going to follow him? Peter's not going to ascend to heaven with Jesus. Where is he going to follow him? Acts records that what happens next, Jesus goes back to heaven and the disciples live out what Jesus called them to do, which is take the gospel to all nations. The question has been asked for centuries when did the disciples become fishers of men? And the best I can tell from the Gospels, the point is not that they ever became fishers of men. They didn't become fishers of men at all because it's not what Jesus promised them. Jesus said, you follow me and I will make you what you're incapable of becoming on your own. You see, because you can't accomplish the mission of God apart from following me. Follow me. You just keep following me and let me do through you what you can't do for yourself. The invitation is not, do you want to be fishers of men? The invitation is, do you want to be with me so I can make you into something that you're incapable of becoming on your own? Do you want me? That's the big question. Do you want Jesus? Do we have that desire to know him, to have that relationship with him, and to follow him? Church, we follow Jesus. We obey Jesus. We worship Jesus. We proclaim Jesus because there is nothing else in this world that compares to him. When we do that, God takes the mess of a person that we are with our broken nets, and he does something supernatural through us to accomplish his mission in this world. The mission we are called to has never really been about the proximity to fish, but has always been about our proximity to the fisherman because Jesus already has the fish. Jesus saves the people. Jesus builds his church. We just follow Jesus and we invite others 
to follow him as well. So when we think about the church, we think about those of you that have come to Bethel on Sunday morning, my question for you is, will you follow Jesus? Will you follow Jesus? Will you be a disciple of him? I want Jay and Gary and Bill to come on up here this morning. A couple of weeks ago, we made the announcement that the elders were in agreement to, to add Bill on as an elder to the church. And, you know, Bill is going to join us in this mission of leading us as a part of our leadership team and follow me. Following Jesus. As the church grows, I, I, I pray that we will continue to have and add to our leadership of elders that take to heart this mission of follow me. Follow me. That is the cry. It should be the cry of every single Christian.